Hi, everyone. Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Andrea Pearson, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Lindsay Baroker. And today we're going to be discussing all things pen names, basically how to market books in different genres under the same pen name, how to know if you should start a new pen name, how to fix or manage things when you don't want to work or put time into a pen name anymore, etc., and we are, <laughs> it says, then we'll answer listener questions. We're not going to be answering listener questions at the end because I forgot about that part. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> well, we also, we have a, it's pretty long what we it have. Is. So we, we didn't have, really we need to solicit questions. <laughs> no. Anyway, so we're going to go ahead and jump into news. Um, and my news, I forgot to go in and update this. I love it. It says goal, have my romance book done by now. And it says stars, please align correctly. So what happens? I wrote that. A little bit ago and my book is done it's actually coming out next tuesday so that's um march 1st and i'm going to be that's the day i'll be asking my reviewers i what i did this time is i sent an email to my whole list and i was like if you would like to receive a free copy in exchange for an honest review because i decided i'm not going to do a review team this time just because it's it's i don't need that extra work i've got kids <laughs> so they're extra work for me and so i just sent an email and i had um you know 20 25 people asked to review and i think that's enough to launch a book and so, uh, and of course not all of them will post reviews and that's totally fine. But, and then on, on the second, I will be emailing my newsletter list and that's when I'll be starting all my major ads and things like that. So yeah. So, um, really looking forward to seeing how that goes. I've told you guys, I plan to spend about $500 on this launch. I'll let you guys know how that goes. Um, I did. I did end up figuring out how to get Facebook ads to work for romance and my cost per click hasn't been absolutely phenomenal. It's been around 25 cents ish. And I mean, that's better than some ads have performed, but it's worse than I'm used to. But, and again, this is all going to be a test because I've been sending those ad, those people to my pre-order. So next, next week, I'm going to be finding out if they're going to actually convert to actual downloads or pages read. Uh, anyway, so we're just going to see how that's go, how that goes. And I'll keep everybody posted. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I did. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's all for me. <laughs> All right. And I guess by the time this comes out, those dates will have happened. So <laughs> people can spy on you or not. <laughs> uh, for me, um, I kind of had a couple good weeks, got back on track after being sick and just kind of having distractions around the holidays. I, I wrote an elf romance, got that off to my editor, got Wolfwood 5. That's my little werewolf thing series off to my beta readers. But now I, I have this epic fantasy that's on pre-order. It's book five in the series. And after writing these kind of lighter, shorter books, I'm just looking at my notes and rereading the previous one in the series. And it's like, oh, that pre-order when I set it up seemed really far away. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to really haul butt here and, and focus in March. I will say that pre-orders are a blessing in some ways and a curse in others. It's uh, it's certainly nice to get, be able to collect sales. Like for book five, I've been collecting them since obviously book four came out because I direct them in the back of four. You know, here's book five if you want to order it now. And it's nice to get that payday when it comes out. You know, like oh, that's very nice to have that all land in your account at once. Um, but at the on the other end, you know, you are locked into that date and. Uh, if things come up, you know, it can be a little bit of a challenge to hit that one. Um, so I'm actually thinking of taking a break from pre-orders after this series. I, I feel like whatever you did for the series, you should probably keep doing it and just uh, not confuse the readers. But I think for the next series, I might 
NYX pre-orders. I, I have been curious for a while because I've been doing them almost since since Amazon in particular switched it so we could have a full year. Uh, I don't necessarily do them that long, but I, I started doing them that would that way I could collect sales from, like I said, as soon as the last book came out, I can start getting them uh, lining up there. But uh, I have wondered, because it's been a few years now since I just released like a book five, just threw it out there, uh, you know, and Obviously, when you do the pre-orders, all the sales count at once. And the, as far as sales ranking goes, you were getting the ranking boosts as the orders came in over the previous months. And all you get on release day is you do get, if you're in KU, you get it and have, you know, followers, you do get a big boost there. But I've been curious, like, would I get more, have more time possibly in the charts with those later books in the series if I wasn't doing the pre-orders? And would that cause people to see them and go back and get book one? Because uh, I have seen that with this epic fantasy series, with the last one, to some extent, I did get a lot of newer people checking out book one. But because, I don't know, 5,000 came in as a pre-order, it wasn't up in the charts for that long. You know, that's gotten to be a pretty competitive category, that epic fantasy. So, yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'll see. <laughs> this is my long way of saying, really, I just, I think I might want to take a break from the stress of having a pre-order date, especially with these longer, more complicated books than uh, Epic Fantasy and Space Opera tend to be that way for me. All right, I'll, I'll pass it to Joe for his news. Yeah, deadlines can be tricky, uh, especially when, like, it feels really weird when it's a self-imposed deadline. You're like, oh, it's, why did I do this? But uh, yeah, so I completely understand that. Um, so I had a book bub, uh, uh, this is now, you know, this, this is old news now. Cause we, we were, I wrote this a little while ago, but I had a book bub and my results were better than Andrea's. We, you know, we discussed the, the, we both of us had book bub around the same time. It's a little hard to nail down in the entirety, how well this one did because of the nature of the, of the book. But after three days, I had over a thousand purchases on a 99 cent deal at 35 cents a pop. It's about half of what's needed to cover the $700 plus price tag. Uh, roundabout. I'm assuming a little bit. This is mostly on uh, on Amazon, so I'm assuming sort of the overage on other places takes up the other half, uh, other part. But um, that number doesn't include all the storefronts, uh, and some of them don't give their sales numbers very quickly. So it's possible that actually some of those are still not counted in the uh, unlike on the Smashwords storefront. Um, overall, the results of the promo aren't going to be clear even after months because we're talking about a, a, a collector. This, this was on my Book of Deacon anthology, uh, volume one, now it's a volume two. And it's over 700,000 words of writing. So the read, like if somebody reads through and purchases the next thing, which is either book four or the, the second volume collection, both of which are plugged in the back matter, uh, it might be months before they do that, you know? And that's assuming they start reading right away. Like this could be somebody's book for the year. It's that long. So read through is really hard to calculate on this unless I use specific uh, uh, links in the back to know where it came from. Uh, so yeah, who knows? I, I I would say that it's worth it, but it's certainly BookBub is not the kingmaker it once was. Um, I also got around to doing a full analysis of the book sales for the last year for, for 2021 in its entirety. And I'm not terribly pleased with my read through on the greater land saga, which is my current uh, epic fantasy series. I'm looking at about 35% from book one to book two and about 60% from books two to book three. And that's, I mean, 35% is from book one. It's not disastrous, but it's lower than I usually am looking at for, for, uh, this situation a 60 from two to three is very bad for compared to my other series 
I had a tongue-in-cheek tweet uh, where I said uh, eight possible reasons, and four of them were that I was a lousy writer. <laughs> but I, I, I think the truth is probably a combination of the price difference between book one and book two, because it goes from 99 cents to 4.99, basically. Uh, also, the difference in content and tone from my previous epic fantasy, because it is a bit different. Uh, so I might not carry over all of my readers there. And the simple fact that the sales history for book three is very, relatively like there wasn't very much time since the release of book three included in the 2021 number. So it's possible the read through was actually much better between those two. I just didn't have the total picture. Regardless, it's a situation I'm going to be keeping my eye on, particularly because I'm going to be releasing three more books in that series. And uh, I, I kind of want to make sure that they're worth doing. And um I guess since enough time has passed since I wrote this, I, uh, in that series, I'm now writing book five and book four is at the editor. Uh, and so I'm going to be 15,000 words through book five by tomorrow. So moving forward. Moving forward is very important. Um, your book was to the fantasy category, right? I think it was right. Yes. Yeah. So mine was to teen and young adult, which is like a third of the cost of the fantasy i've still never gotten a, no i've gotten one fantasy category that was really awesome um but that's um it, it just an update on mine too it has earned out now i've made 700 dollars on the read through so i think that it did end up being worth it um that first one has had a lot of pages read um let's see i can't see where that number is um it did it ended up having 178 downloads and a bunch of pages read um, and so the read through has been really good. And that was like with that series, that was my, my hope was that it would eventually, the read through would eventually make up the difference. And, um, it has, but I still think I'm going to be making some changes to that box set, even though book bubs, like it's not the book cover. I'm like, are you just trying to make me feel good <laughs> anyway? Um, okay. So we are going to go ahead and, um, talk about the pros and cons of pen names. And I didn't add anything to this because Lindsay and Joe have some pretty good points here. And then I also talk a lot later. <laughs> so I was like, I don't need to add more. Um, so, um, Lindsay, why don't you go ahead and talk, you're going to talk about the pros first, right? And then Joe will give his. All right. Yeah. Just for th some people who are maybe on the fence and wondering if this is right for them. Some of the pros of starting a pen name are that. You get privacy, you know, it's a chance to publish your work without it being tied to your identity. You can also have some separation, like keep, if you've already got an established author name, you want to maybe keep your backlist and Amazon algorithms, all the store algorithms such as they are, kind of free of confusion when writing in different genres or to drastically different audiences. That is something a pen name makes easier. It also can be a chance to start over. If your earlier work was weaker, perhaps, or not as well received as you'd hoped, and you can't take it down because maybe it was traditionally published, or, you know, for some reason you don't want to, a pen name is a chance to start over fresh. Uh, it's also kind of a nice way, one of the pros is you can experiment, a chance to try something different without judgment from current readers or current anybody that knows you if, if you want to be completely anonymous with it. And Joe's going to add a couple more pros. Yeah, uh, collaboration is another option. Like some people like to join forces on a pen name. Like we talk a lot about rapid release being a, a super useful thing. Not a lot of some people want to release even more rapidly than they're capable of doing. And multiple authors can contribute novels to a single pen name and have a release cadence that's huge compared to what they'd be able to do individually. Uh, and that can really help them dominate uh, an area. Lots of you know traditional uh, authors do that sort of thing. And also meeting expectations. There are plenty of writers who have chosen 
to obscure their true identity in order to masquerade as a sort of person more traditionally associated with writing a given genre. Uh, male authors will, will frequently have a female romance pen name, and female authors uh, will have a male sci-fi pen name or, or use gender-obscuring uh, initials. Like it's, it's not uncommon for that sort of thing to happen. Yeah, that is kind of harder in this day and age. Like in the olden days, you just wrote the book bio and they not put in a picture, you know, or something. Now it's like with social media times, people are like expect it's it's almost weird if there's not a presence out there, and then you have to decide: Do I want to like create this whole online persona to match the gender or whatever, or the pen name just in general that you're creating? Um, but yeah, and collaboration is a good point. I didn't even think of that, but I am aware of some romance authors <laughs> that publish like two books a month and it's actually four people, you know, and they alternate. So it's one author writing a book every two months, but you don't know that anywhere unless you happen to know the authors are involved. They don't tell that to anyone as far as I know. Uh, so yeah, that's something you might think about when you're looking at really prolific people and wondering, hmm, how do they write so quickly? <laughs> it could be two people or four people. All right, well, let's jump into some cons, too, because it's not all sunshine. <laughs> some of the cons of starting a pen name are that you, you know, especially if you're starting another name, you know, you've already got an existing one, is that now you have multiple identities to maintain, which probably means at the least a website, domain name, newsletter, and you might want to do social media, too. Uh, so th it's also going to be twice as much twice as much work to maintain momentum. Like if you don't keep publishing books and marketing under both names, sales will eventually die off. You know, for whichever one you're not working on for a few months or even years. Um, also, another con is the cross contamination thing. If you share the pen name with your existing audience and they decide to help you out, or they just want to read your books because they're a fan, you know, you can. That's what you end up getting like man chest covers and also bots for your middle grade fairy tales, for example. Uh, and Joe, I think has another con or two. Yep. Um, greater complication, uh, particularly for keeping a pen name secret for a privacy issue. You are, you're now juggling settings on the back end, and the potential failure rate is that you accidentally publish something under the wrong name and, and ruin everything. Like anything that requires you to keep track of more is going to complicate your career a little bit. Uh, and also backlash. I mentioned earlier about obscuring your identity. Uh, it, it, while many people are completely familiar with the idea of somebody writing under an assumed uh, identity, uh, it, some people are not familiar with that and will will be upset if they discover that the author of their favorite uh, their favorite book is not as they imagined them. However, they might have ended up imagining them. So, like anything that that separates you from your audience has a potential to make your audience upset when there is a truth that is revealed. And that's, I love your, your greater complication one, like keeping the pen name secret. Uh, my pen name, I didn't keep secret, but my legal name, I keep fairly secret. And um, it, you have to be really careful with that, uh, who you tell what your legal name is. I told an author friend of mine what it was. And at one of the biggest conferences I ever attended, like nine years ago, she announced over the I mean, the, at the microphone, what my legal name was and laughingly said, I'm not supposed to tell you that though. So I'm like, I, I, my pen name, it, it is a it, huge complication. It's been very, very difficult. Like when Nolan and I go to schools, people are like Mr. And Mrs. Pearson and Nolan doesn't care. And I hate it. I'm like, that's not his name. That's my name. <laughs> and he doesn't care, but it bothers me. It just, it complicates things a lot. 
Um, it is, I wanted to add, it is really challenging to, if you want it to be completely secret, you have to be really careful. Like yeah. I, I don't have any that I've been secret with, but I've just, I'm amazed. Like I will every now and then get a letter from a fan to the address that I have my business registered to in Utah, which is nothing to do. It's not my PO box on my newsletter. It's nothing I publish anywhere. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how is this even coming up in search? Because it's not anything I've ever shared, but you know, it's one place it was registered because the business is registered. And so that is something to be aware of. But Amazon will never out you, though. That's something people always wonder about. They're not going to like, if you put a name in there that's different from the name you created your account under, they don't care. They're not, you know, people do worry about that. And that I wouldn't worry about. Just be, beware of paper trails. <laughs> that's crazy. That's some serious dedication on a, on a fan's part to find you that way. <laughs> I don't even know because most I get a lot of people that use the newsletter address. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I have a package from France I have to check out. You know, I, I like to wait a few days just in case there's any bombs or anything. No, that's that's a horrible joke. But you know what I mean? I'm just I wait a few days and just because uh, I'm lazy, actually. But, uh, you know, you never know. You also don't have to answer it immediately if you wait a few days. <laughs> Oh, they just usually, I usually send a book if somebody sent me a card or something and said Aww. something nice, but, um, but yeah, even if you don't say like, Hey, send me stuff. They, they know they can find your, your stuff. I love that. Sending them a book. If they send you a card, I think that's a great idea. Um, okay. So we're going to go ahead and talk about, um, pen names. So, well, I mean, we're going to talk more about pen names since we're already talking about pen names, uh, how many pen names you have and what are the stories behind them? Ready, set, go. All right. So uh, I have I have a pen name. Surprise. Uh, I'm not going to tell anyone what it is, but there are four other authors and two editors who have even a chance at knowing who it is. And most of them have probably forgot. (laughs) Uh, I use it to write a pair of stories that are exceptionally unlike anything I've written before and also were a collaboration with a fan. And uh, they're the kind of stories that have effectively zero overlap with my current audience. So I wouldn't have gained much by by the you know my audience knowing about them and it would have I, as far as i'm concerned it's, it also simplifies my bookkeeping which i guess should have made a, a pro it makes it very obvious uh how to separate off earnings from those books um they came out just terribly like they did not they did not go well uh bigger thud than anything i've ever released before uh and I had put some serious launch push and some serious advertising dollars into it because I was starting from scratch. I figured I should probably try real hard, particularly on behalf of my collaborator who had no budget to throw in. So I, I shouldered the entire financial load. Didn't go well. Um, I hadn't really considered returning to that genre for that reason. Uh, and half the time, I even forget that I wrote those books until the end of the year when I have to decide whether or not I'm going to re-up the website that is dedicated to the uh, pen name uh, or more accurately once a year when I forget that I forgot to turn off the automatic renewal and it just gets renewed anyway. So that's, that's my pen name situation. Uh, that's so awesome. I did that. One of my pen names, I did that. I actually paid for three years and then I forgot to turn it off and it renewed for another three years. And I was like, ah, dang it. Um, okay. So I have three pen names. Well, kind of four um, Andrea Kate Pearson, which is the one I'm currently writing under Beverly Potter, which is one I've never mentioned in the podcast before. Uh, Andrea Pearson and Alana uh, Kate Ashland. Alana Kate Ashland was my very first romance pen name. And that one I nixed really fast because I felt weird saying, Hey, my name is uh, Alana instead of, Hey, my name is Andrea. Um, 
Anyway, so Andrea Pearson is my main pen name. It's the one I write fantasy under. And Andrea Kate Pearson has been used twice now. So I started with Alana and then I switched to Andrea Kate Pearson three years ago and wrote three, three or four romances under it. And then I was like, I can't do fantasy and romance at the same time. And I decided I didn't want to write the subgenre I was writing in. And I ended up uh, stopping that anyway, but Andrea Kate Pearson is the pen name I'm currently using. Like I said, for romance. Um, Anyway, I didn't feel comfortable calling myself Alana and maybe Becca Syme could tell me why are your ears burning Becca? Like why I felt dishonest and disingenuous going by anything other than Andrea when I emailed my readers and I have zero, zero, anything against anyone doing that. Even myself using pen names, but like Beverly Potter didn't bother me, but for some reason it didn't work for me. And so I deleted that person and created a middle name for Andrea. Uh, I don't have a middle, I don't have a middle name still. And Kate is not really my middle name, but I like the name Kate and I thought it sounded good. So I stuck it there anyway. Um, Andrea Pearson also isn't my legal name. It's my maiden name. I was writing and published before Nolan and I got married and it just made sense to stay under that name because I didn't want to have to redo everything. Um, Andrea Kate Pearson, as I mentioned, has been used two times and um, all of my earlier romances have since been unpublished and I'm now writing medical romance under that name, like I said. Um, Let's see. I'm skipping through this because it's not necessary stuff. Like who cares? Um, But thanks to Alex Newton, I found out about medical romance. It's another field I'm really passionate about. My previous genre was Western romance, which is something, I mean, I grew up around cowboys and horses in a tiny town. Um, But, but um, medical, the medical field is something I'm really, really excited about. And my degree isn't technically a medical degree, but I had to take a ton of medical classes and Nolan works in the medical field. And I decided to do that. Uh, I'm not, going to stick to it. I don't think, um, just because I've got, uh, I've got so many ideas. I'm going to try for a trilogy under this whole hospital, like a a different few different departments with a trilogy with each of that. And then just see how it goes. It's basically me cutting my teeth on romance again. And, um, I would like to switch eventually to romantic comedy, just straight romantic comedy. And I know that feels a lot more competitive. So I just want to see how I can do with romance period before doing that. Um, Beverly Potter is my kids illustrated books, author pen name. I created that one five years ago. And I think, um, let's see, she had around 15 books published at one point. Nolan illustrated them. I never did a newsletter with her. Um, and putting that name on my now defunct website and on the book covers wasn't a big deal to me because I never told anybody about her. And the reason I did it was because I wanted to write books that my kids would enjoy. And my kids still, it's been five years and they still ask me to read those books to them. And so that's kind of fun. And, and they don't care that they're written by me because kids don't kids are way more judgmental than, than adults are. They won't do it because they're nice. (laughs) They'll be like, mom, that sucks. And they mean it, or they'll be like, I love it. Anyway, I think she has seven or eight published right now. I don't pay any attention to her. Like I said, I didn't do it anything. I didn't do it to make money and I didn't put any marketing, any marketing money behind her at all. It's funny that you were weirded out by using that name because I was actually the same thing with Ruby, which is not a name I I would ever pick for myself, but I've told this story before. Ruby Lyons Drake is the pen name I'm about to tell you about, and it's an anagram of my name, Lindsay Baroker, that a fan came up with, and I was like, that is so perfect. Like, it's it's almost seems like a real name, but not quite, but the kind of thing you would expect from a romance author name, you know, Uh, a lot of them tend to be kind of 
I don't know, plays on something <laughs> innuendos and such. But I, I used to sign it just R because I was like, ooh, this is, there's like this weird feeling like, oh, Ruby's not right. Like, so I, I do suggest that if you're going to pick a pen name, pick something that's like that other name you wish your mom had given you as a kid. Like, I wanted to be Jamie. I was like, Lindsay sucks, man. I want to be a Jamie. So that should have been the pen name, but the anagram was too good to give up. Uh, so in my case, I started the pen name partially as an experiment. I, I actually, there were so many people back in like, this was 2014, end of 2014 is when I launched it. They were saying like, oh, it's too late to get started. If you don't already have an audience, you'll never be able to get started. Haha, ha, people still saying that. But I, I was like, no, no, I, I don't think so. There was a part of me that wanted to prove I could anonymously, anonymously start on ground zero and still you know, be successful with a, with a new name. And at that time, Amazon advertising wasn't around yet. And Facebook advertising, I don't, there might've been boosted posts, but that was about it. So this didn't get a whole lot of money thrown at it. I remember I got these really, I got not Fiverr. What's the other one uh, where you can, there's a contest. It's artists hate it. And I understand why. Designs. Yes. Because yeah. so many people enter, but that was how I found somebody inexpensive and that I liked. And after that, I used the same person, but anyway, so there was not a lot of money that went into it, but um, I started also because I wanted to write sci-fi romance, which was at the time kind of an up and coming category. It was pretty newly made into a category on Amazon. Before that, you were just out of luck as far as you'd have to surf off spots and stuff to find more. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of competition back then. Th- things have definitely changed. It was also steamier than my usual stuff, and I didn't want to annoy fans. So I started writing in it. I, I was also a fan myself. I'd read all the like I say all, but there weren't that many traditionally published sci-fi romances. And I was like, why are there more? These are perfect. I love like more space opera romance. And it's still kind of hard to find that versus like humans kidnapped from earth kind of stuff for breeding purposes. But I have a soft spot for like anything that's Star Trek-y or, um, you know, Star Wars-y, Firefly with the romance, love that stuff. So that so it was a lot it was a passion thing but i also thought i think i can make money on this and this was before chris fox's right to market but it was very much in that vein i had picked a newer category in amazon fairly underserved i i knew there was an audience for you know people looking for them and also it was at that time the covers were pretty bad on average in that category so i thought oh you know i could get something pretty decent and you know be ahead of the curve so it did work pretty well i did a rapid release the first three books i think that might be the first time i tried the whole rapid release thing like i just wanted to like do three back to back and try to gain some momentum and i i did a blog post it's you know obviously it's six seven years old at this point but i'll, I'll put it in the show notes in case you want to find out more like how i did everything i made about twelve thousand in the first 10 weeks that was with the first three books being out so it, it was successful but <laughs> i will talk about more and going on it, once you stop publishing them it's been about four years now i've just kind of drifted away from it and been focusing entirely on my name uh things tend to fall off and they don't make very much money now there's about 15 books uh, what does you know, the sales that do come in are because I have, it's on my website somewhere now. Like in the beginning, I did it anonymously, but later I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, uh, fans can read about, read them if they want, because they're very similar to my regular stuff, just more romancy and more sex scenes in the book. So a lot of my readers are like, ah, well, they either enjoy that or they just skip the sex scene. So it's, it works for them. All right. That's all. I will, I will pass you back, Andrea, to the, introduce the next topic. 
Yeah. Um, I, I was going to make a comment there, but I'm like, you're going to be going into it later, but I, it's kind of like my big launch that's coming up. I'm really hoping it doesn't stress me emotionally because I'm trying not to put a lot of expectation on how it will do. And, and you, when you launched those three novels, you know, several years ago, that's going to be a totally different experience to me launching this novel now. And I'm just, anyway, I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, cause my last launch, I, I put so much hope into it that it kind of ruined me emotionally. So I'm trying not to do that while still trying to be okay with taking the risk, you know? Well, I will anyway. say, cause I don't think I put it in my notes to share later. It is in the blog post. If people want to listen, read it. I did go perma-free with book one right away. Like I went wide with that one book so I could make it free on Amazon. Uh, I did that pretty early on. So there was some, I got some discovery just because it was an underserved genre, you know, but it was a lot of it was willing to, you know and if you don't want to go wide you can do the use the free days uh around the launch of the third one or whatever that i think it was for the third one for me is when i did that yeah the underserved market um medical romance is technically an an underserved market i'm finding though that what a lot of authors do is they'll write contemporary romance and one of the books will have a medical theme to it and so i haven't found any author yet who writes only medical romance and so i don't even know how you know, this is going to go for me because it's an underserved market, but that doesn't mean that the market's there, you know? So, cause nobody's doing it, but anyway, lots of, lots of what ifs for me. Okay. So do you currently put marketing efforts behind those pen names? Why, why, or why not? And I just saw Joe's first sentence. Yeah, <laughs> you have uh, to put emphasis on that one word. <laughs> you do. Uh, as previously stated, the pen name is dead to me, dead uh it didn't quite hit the genre uh, as on the nose as it could have and it wasn't a subject that really came naturally to me so it's not the sort of thing i'm itching to write more of my collaborator was much more familiar with the subject matter was much more of a fan of it uh so he is super excited about writing more but he doesn't have the uh, experience writing fiction that i have so basically that was where we like i had budget and experience and he had enthusiasm um so if he ever develops the skills to be able to write a full novel solo, um, I would probably just hand over the, the pen name to him and, and see how, how it gets pushed back out there. But as it is right now, it's just too much of an uphill struggle to dedicate time or effort into that pen name. So I've, I've, I've retired it. Is it one of those situations where he's just really excited and he's like, yes, I can partner with somebody who's going to do most of the work and I'll, I'll fuel the excitement and passion. Is that kind of the way he is or. It's more like he's perfectly willing to write. He's, he's listens to this. So he's going to be hearing me, you know, but uh, he's perfectly willing to write the book, but the book needs heavy revision. Like it's, it's the enthusiasm is there, but the craft needs work. So uh, he needs, I'm basically like, a, a developmental editor from his point of view uh he probably could do great if he had a developmental editor but he needs one like his 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 stuff sort of structurally needs help okay that's similar to me co-writing with nolan because nolan doesn't have as much experience the only books he's written are ones he's co-written with me and i end up having to do a lot of structural changes on them so anyway well listener if you want to take over <laughs> Joe's willing. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So the answer for me, um, yes, I do put currently put marketing effort behind these pen names, both Andrea Pearson, and Andrea Kate Pearson get marketed to regularly. I ignore Beverly Potter because I don't, I've never paid attention to her in the first place. 
Um, and uh, I put my marketing efforts toward Andrea Pearson because that's where the majority of my books are. And that's where the majority of my royalties still come from, even though my romance books do better on a one-by-one basis. And again, it's not a whole lot, but it's on a one-by-one basis, they do better, but I have so much more out under fantasy that I just feel like it would be unwise of me to stop marketing it because it's so, it's so much more anyway, Lindsay. Yeah. I very rarely put any marketing money behind these anymore. Like I, I absolutely was when they were, when I was actively publishing new books for uh, Ruby there. And the last thing I tried, I would say, like I said earlier, it hasn't completely died off because super fans will, will find it every now and then I'll mention, Oh, on Facebook, I'll make one free. They're all in KDP select now just to make things easier for the, the pen, the neglected pen name. But every now and then I'll like run a, make a free run of there's two series with book ones that I can do that on. Um, but I, I, about a year and a half ago, I did put together a complete series bundle and advertised it, made it 99 cents. I think it was seven books. So it was a really good deal and advertised it. Yeah. I, I'm bit, by a bit, I actually put like a couple thousand a month into it there for a few months and it, you know, it broke even, or, you know, maybe it did a little bit better than break even, but it was not as successful as some of my other complete series bundles that I've done under my own name that like were super worth just leaving at 99 cents and getting that page read money uh, rolling in for quite some time. So I, I think it's, partially or mostly the lack of new releases that really hurts that name even when it comes to marketing it's it's not that you can't market old stuff and still have it sell i do since i did that run with that bundle even though i don't advertise at all now it's like i said it's been about a year at least year and a half that bundle does sell better i you know i put it back up to 9.99 i think um but it sells better than it did before i did any of that so you know, maybe it's worth doing a push if you haven't done a push for a while, just to get a little momentum going. And, but I do just think that it's, it's tough when it's tough to keep older series selling indefinitely when you're not also kind of compounding your efforts by also launching new books to existing readers or new readers. And then you get more people coming in all the time. And so it's a little challenging. I, I would, try it. You know, if you've got a backlist, you might as well give it a shot. And I, every now and then I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll go. Like when I did the bundle, I'll like, let's give it a shot. Um, you know, so it, it's worth it. Uh, I am leaning more towards, and I think I talk about this later. Eventually I will probably get the covers redone, put them on my name, you know, writing as, and then they will be like searchable in my big Amazon central book list or whatever, you know? And so, uh, I'm sure they'll sell more that way. If I, you know, it'll be a little, because like I said, they're similar enough that I don't feel like, oh, it'd be really awkward to my readers if they pick them up. I mean, I actually had somebody figure out the pen name uh, that, that I don't know that was just a reader that emailed and asked me, and like, is this you? Because the writing style, I guess, was so, they're like, we could tell <laughs> this is you. They're making jokes about, it was corpolite whatever like fossilized poop is they because it was an archaeological dig and they're like this seems like a Lindsay broker thing to write about in a book like yes yes it was so um yeah have not been marketing them lately though if you go out there and look they're not selling i love that you're like yes poop this is me Um, but I love the point you make there. And I think, I mean, we see authors a lot asking if they should start a pen name. And I think one thing that especially new and even older authors need to rec older, more experienced authors need to recognize is just because you start a pen name doesn't mean you're going to magically 
correct the problem that was before. So if you didn't have the time or the schedule to be releasing a lot of books, creating a new pen name, you're going to still have the same schedule and you're possibly compounding it. And if you're not able to release regularly um, anyway, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to consider when it comes to pen names. Okay. So we're going to talk about advice we have for authors who want to write different genres under the same pen name. And Joe, you're first. All right. So this goes under the heading of, uh, you can certainly do it because I did. I mean, we all do. Um, but, um, the tactic I used was to alternate between genres to try to make sure that there was at least one new story in each genre each year. And it worked okay. Obviously. I mean, you know, I've had a career, but it did sort of prevent me from developing any reasonable momentum on a single series. Uh, my current tactic is to try to focus on single series, single genre for at least three books at a time, or even better, a whole series. Uh, it allows you to focus your promo and just build up head of steam. And I think it's like, it is the tactic that I would advise on now. And I think if I had done that in the beginning, I would have a much, my career would have gone much better. I think I, I, uh, uh, I would recommend that now. And it's so hard to know. I mean, before maybe the, the switch was what helped you maintain the passion for each project. True. Um, oh, what? Sorry. True. <laughs> yeah, I was going, um, at the same time. Okay. So this is a convoluted topic, uh, in my opinion, and a lot of it depends on what your goals are and whether you're wide or exclusive to Amazon. If your focus is only on Amazon and won't ever be on other retailers, I'd suggest possibly consider create, considering creating a new pen name, even if that's not what you want to do. Um, Amazon's algorithms can be really hard to fight against if you aren't super prolific or successful. And this is me speaking from experience. If you're focused wide, put a lot of time and attention toward the other retailers. And of course, Amazon, regardless of which retailer you're working with, you'll need to make sure your different genres are easily uh, recognizable and that you send as clean of traffic to each as you can, if possible. So like if you're writing romance and fantasy under the same pen name, you'd want to be running two separate mailing lists and um, obviously advertising to different audiences on Facebook, et cetera. Um, only send romance readers to the romance books and fantasy to fantasy. Um, this would apply even wide since the other stores do use algorithms as well. Plus it's a better experience for the reader. Uh, if they have to hunt through your fantasy to find your romance, casual fans will more likely give up. Um, also recognize the algorithms will get messed up, but as you're consistent with both genres, things will most likely work out in the end. If you are consistently releasing, I would say more than a book a year, um, releasing faster than two or three books a year would also help train the algorithms. The genre you write the most and have the most books in will get the most algorithm love. And that one will probably bleed into your genre less loved, which is what happened to me with romance the first time around. So in my case, when it came to start sci-fi, not sci-fi romance, but just I was doing a space opera series, I just, because I'd done the pen name already, I was like, I'm just publishing this all. Fantasy, sci-fi, different subgenres of each under my main name. I had had the experience and knew I didn't want the effort of having to try to keep more things going at once. So I just, knowing that sometimes, yeah, it messes things up as far as um, you end up with spaceship covers in your epic fantasy also bots and I don't know, Amazon's not even showing also bus now, but generally that means Amazon's kind of confused about who to recommend your books to if you see that sort of stuff, because they, you know, they might send out, you, you wrote all these urban fantasy books, so they're going to send out your new sci-fi to urban fantasy fans, or, you know, it ends up being kind of messed up. 
but usually I, I've kind of found that that over time straightens itself out. So I feel like we worry about it a lot and it can affect the launch, but if you're in this for the long run and you're going to make a name for yourself, I, I think you're fine. Probably is my opinion. My experience, uh, just go ahead and keep it all under one name. That said, I will say there are people who like, they they get published in a whole bunch of like short story things. And eventually those all end up online in e- ebook form. And they're not even always in the genre that they end up finally getting. Pub- I've seen this more with traditional publishing because it's sort of like your route to get a traditional publishing deal is this first sell a whole bunch of short stories. And anyway, people's Amazon pages isn't, end up looking really messy. Uh, like you're looking for, you know, more space opera by this author you liked and they have all these things they got published in like parenting magazine or even other like fiction stuff sometimes they'll have done other things and it i i would maybe keep novels separate from like if you have a ton of short stories and they're gonna end up online because eventually all these magazine people seem to do that uh that's just something to to keep in mind i would possibly in that case because the short stories you weren't going to make any money from them anyway you don't really need them if they sell, you're, you're not seeing that money, you know, like four years later, you got your 200 bucks from the magazine or whatever. So I would not, I would try not to have those on the same page as like your really core of your work. Um, but to help with not confusing readers or, you know, potential new buyers, I would just say, make sure that, and this is common sense, make sure you do your blurbs and covers in such a way that readers who are not interested in maybe if you decide to have your romance with your cozy mysteries together, you know, make, make it really clear. You should do this anyway for sales, but make it clear. These books are not for you. These books are this type of book and make, you know, make sure the covers and blurbs works. And, but you never know. Um, that's the other thing is if you just immediately decide to do a pen name and not tell anybody about it, cause you're worried about the Amazon algorithms getting messed up, you may be losing out on readers. Like some of your regular readers may also be cozy mystery readers as well as romance readers. And, uh, like I said, I have tons of people who read my Ruby stuff and they just skip the sex scenes cause, but they like it. the, you know, the, the same types of adventure stories that I tell under my regular name. So, you know, if you're going to go all anonymous, worrying about cross-contamination, you may be losing out there. Um, but yeah, in the end, I just found that it was too much work for me to maintain extra identities. And I, like I said, I would be making more if I just had the Ruby books under my own name, because I do get people that come in through a new series and then go back and read all the backlist stuff that they can find. And right now I have it kind of obscurely on my, I think it's on my like reading order books. Oh, by the way, there's these other books by this author you can check out too. Um, that said, if you're writing for really different audiences like kids and then you're over here have steamy romance, obviously you're probably going to want to separate those out. So there, there's no rules, but that's just my experience would be to keep it as simple as possible having done it and wished I didn't almost. And I mean, and even kids, like parents shop for their kids usually, and the parent's not going to download a bare-chested man cover for a five-year-old or something. So even then they could, but yeah, I don't recommend it either. Um, How should an author market different genres under the same pen name? So beyond ensuring that you're promoting on platforms that are frequented by your target audience, because different social media, different places have different audiences and so do books. So if you you skew younger, you want to skew younger on your advertising. Uh, I think as long as you're following best practices in general, there's not a lot of difference in promoting the different genres and very little impact of promoting them with the same pen name versus shifting which segment of your readers are most active. Like 
it doesn't matter that much. You're just, if you're good at marketing, it, you can just market the way you're comfortable. And like 90% of our listeners are like, but I'm not good at marketing. <laughs> um, I keep my genres fairly separate. So this question isn't as big of a deal to me. Um, that said though, Andrea Pearson does write fantasy for all ages. You know, um, I've got the kids books out. Those are under Beverly Potter, but I do have a couple under my name and then all the way up through adult fantasy. And I market them the same way because uh, I found that my readers of like middle grade fantasy are the same as my readers of adult fantasy. And they, they blend across the genres fairly seamlessly. Now I know that if I targeted the different ages, I probably would have done better, but I would have probably done better if I had kept to, you know, young adult fantasy and not veered into middle grade or into adult. Um, but Anyway, so I market them the same way. Basically, that's worked for, fine for me in the past. Um, I don't focus on Andrea Pearson as much. And the, the focuses that I did um, put, you know, emphasis into like BookBub features, Facebook and Amazon ads, newsletter promotions, um, building my newsletter list. And when I say newsletter promotions, I mean like ENT and Book Barbarian, things like that. Um, building my newsletter list, et cetera. And you can market different genres under the same pen name using your list quite effectively if you... Um, make your list successful. <laughs> right. I don't think there's going to be too many differences other than like, there's some sponsorship sites like book, book barbarian is sci-fi and fantasy only. Uh, I think there's red feather romance and, and some of them are going to apply maybe to one of your genres and not others. And we, we found, I think a lot of people have found too, that some of the platforms like Facebook seems to be really great for romance authors. You know, I've found that less in epic fantasy and space opera, um, but some, but Amazon works pretty well for me. Uh, and some people have found good luck in, with some genres uh, doing the book bub uh, pay-per-click ads or CPM ads. Uh, so, you know, you kind of have to experiment when you start a new genre, like hopefully you find that stuff fun <laughs> because you hear you had it all figured out, hopefully with epic fantasy, or maybe you didn't, <laughs> you know, and you'll find that some of the things that worked may not work with the other one. One thing I, I decided to do when I launched the sci-fi series is to start a new newsletter. And I've, there have been times where I've regretted that because fans get confused pretty easily. They, they, there's the first thing where they can put their name and email and they're like, God must be it. They don't read. It's very, it says like, this is the sci-fi newsletter. Did you perhaps want the fantasy newsletter over here, which has these bonuses? So people get messed up and sign up for the wrong one all the time. But I, I think it, overall it was a good idea because I often because I tend to focus on one series and one genre at a time, I may publish like eight urban fantasy books you know before I go back into a sci-fi book so if I have somebody that's only a fan of the sci-fi which is often the case like I have a guy that even wrote to me he's like it's been so long since you did a sci-fi you're writing all these awful witch and werewolf books he didn't call them awful but I could tell he thought they were awful <laughs> are you gonna do some more sci-fi again so you will get people that will pick one list over the other and they just are not interested in hearing about that other genre at all so that is something you can consider and it's probably not, it's unlike maintaining like different websites and social media presence and all that. It's not really that much work. And it allows you to have very specific bonuses targeted to that newsletter. Like my fantasy people get X, Y, and Z fantasy bonuses. And then the sci-fi people obviously get the sci-fi bonuses. And after you've been in this for a while, you'll probably have lots of bonuses for different series and quite a bit of, you know, backlist and stuff. So it, it does help. That, that is one that I think is probably worth doing. Okay, we're going to go ahead and go on to what are things that should contribute toward an author's decision to start or not start a pen name. 
I think you should reach a certain level of comfort with writing as a single author before you consider writing as two. It should be pretty obvious, but like as evidenced by the hundreds of hours of podcasts we've put up over the years, there's a lot that goes into going, uh, being an author and some folks, myself included, will push themselves just to run a single career. Running two or more pen names isn't precisely a straight multiplier of effort. Like it, writing two, running two pen names isn't exactly twice the effort of, of running one. There's overlap on the back end and stuff like that, but it's close. Uh, and it don't double or triple your workload unless you know you can handle it. If you find yourself raring to go and, and you know, you just, you're, I don't know, concerned that you're not putting it. You have more ideas in different genres or something like that than you have for the, the bread and butter series that you're working on, then maybe. But um, yeah, the complications of having a variety of genres on a single name aren't necessarily worth the effort of separating them. So if you don't have the logistical slack available to you, I would say just write more books on your regular name than uh, your pen name. But if you feel like you've got it down and you really want to do the separation and take all the pros we were talking about, once you know you can, then give it a try. And also, if you are planning on traditionally publishing, um, pen names are, are fine because they they go so slow in that world, you know, that it gives you time to work on side projects as well. Um, let's see. To me, it's almost entirely based on the amount of time you have to put toward that pen name because each pen name is a totally different author and will need different things. Uh, you don't necessarily need to have a separate website for each. And you can go check out my website to see what I've done. And that's andreapearsonbooks.com. But it's not a bad idea. Idea. <laughs> You'll probably want separate readers groups on Facebook, depending on how different your genres are. So for me, fantasy and romance, my fantasy readers, a lot of them read my romance as well. Uh, my romance readers do not read fantasy. <laughs> Like my fantasy readers are more tolerant of the different, the different genres, but my romance readers don't give, don't, they don't care. Um, let's see. You'll definitely want two newsletter lists. If you're struggling to keep up on things for your main pen name though, my advice is to not create another one unless you plan to completely drop the old one, maybe for the time being, but definitely until your life calms down. Also, if your life is super hectic, don't plan on writing more than one genre, unless that comes naturally to you. For me, switching back and forth between fantasy and romance was nearly impossible when I tried to do it three years ago. I don't write multiple series or genres. Well, my focus strength prevents me from doing that successfully. Uh, so when I narrow in, I really narrow in. Um, but because it's my number one strength, if it's further down the list for you, if it's not like your number one, it might not be as hard for you to switch between the genres, but it would take me months to change gears and go in a different direction. And losing that amount of time was such a waste. So if your schedule is hectic, keep your life as simple as possible and see if you can find a way to make it work with just one pen, pen name or possibly switch, um, you know, devote a single, a lot of time to one pen name before going back to the other. I don't know. It, it's going to depend on your personality too. <laughs> Yes, I'll also agree that, you know, it's kind of how much time you can invest and, you know, because it is more work to start from scratch and maintain two names. But the other thing to consider also is that, and I totally get the appeal of like trying new things and it'd be fun. And, oh, maybe if I did that one thing, I'd finally take off, you know, the career would take off. But you're also dividing like by splitting the effort, you could be putting all of your effort into one name. And it might turn out that if you did that, you would end up over time by consistently putting out lots of books with a, a big following and one name that sells really well versus even if you took divided that time equally in half and put it to two pen names, you might end up with two pen names that eh, they don't sell that well or they sell eh, okay, but because you weren't focusing everything into one name, 
you may end up making like a lot less than if you had done that. And you put a, here, you put a lot of time. Like I've seen people chain start pen names and I'm just like, what are you doing to yourself? It's like the same thing with the genre hopping we've talked about before. Like it's a, it's a struggle, right? You've got what your muse wants to do. You're an artist. Uh, and then what your business sense is probably the smartest thing to do is to really dial in and focus. And it's going to be the same thing with pen names. So I, I think it's almost best for people who tried one name, tried one genre. And they're like, I, would be completely okay with not going back to that. And they're just like ready to going forward. They're going to put their whole effort into everything. Um, but yeah, I, so I think it's going to be hard if you want to like, like Joe was talking about, and I'm like, I was honestly trying to do with Ruby for a while was like, do some here under LB, some over here under Ruby and try to keep both audiences happy. And one of the reasons is I realized what I was doing is like, I could actually be making more if I just focused on the one name and building that fan base. What's really hard is when somebody first starts out, it's hard to know if you could be doing better in a different genre or if you could be doing better in the current genre because things tend to go so slow when you're first starting out. So I'm like, what about the new authors who are just starting? I think one of the reasons they switch pen names so much is because they haven't given the one enough time. I mean, I don't know. What would you tell new authors in that case? I would say you get one. You can switch once and then that's it. <laughs> you either go back to what we were doing because the new one doesn't work as well or the new one works better and you focus on that. But do not do like keep switching. You're just never going to. It's it's like, you know, like stuff has a compound over time. It's the same as like putting money into the stock market. Like if you keep selling your stocks and like buying different ones, you never get that compounding effect. Whereas after 10 years of really focusing on one name, you could be like, doing it full time and then some, you know, so it, it's hard. Yeah. I, I totally understand. Like when you're frustrated and not seeing it, you know, it's like sometimes that first series does have to be kind of a learning experience and you will do better with the second effort just because you've learned so much the first time around and you can look back and say, Oh, I made these mistakes. So maybe it is worth doing it once, but don't, don't keep doing it. Don't write three books, start a new pen name, start a new genre, write three more books. You know, it's just, you end up never, you putting just so much work in and not really reaping the rewards. And I think the same advice could be applied to switching genres. Even if you keep the same, same pen name, don't switch genres multiple, multiple, multiple times. Cause you're not really giving the one or the two uh, a, a fair shake. Okay. Have you uh, um, ever decided to stop supporting a pen name before? What have you done to pull away from it? And what do you recommend authors do? Uh, yes. I dropped it like a hot potato and just walked away. Um, I don't have, if I didn't have another reasonably successful author, that is to say my actual self to depend upon, I probably would have given it more of a go uh, and been more energetic about it. But as it was, I decided to shift my resources back to the tried and true, and I wouldn't hesitate to encourage a similarly pragmatic decision to other authors. Uh, if, if, if you know you're going to be dividing your, your resources and it's really not paying off, uh, unless you feel very, very strongly about it, there's no shame in just letting it taper off, just letting those books sit, see if they'll ever make money long tail, and just move back to what you were doing. And that's a really hard decision to make, especially since you had a co-author, you know? that's true but he he understood it we had there were discussions oh good oh good um yeah i've definitely done this (laughs) i i've um i've ditched um personas three times now or four times beverly potter i eventually told my fantasy reader she existed since she wrote mostly dragon books for kids and i still get a very small trickle of downloads there about about once a month yay 
<laughs> uh, the SEO for her is utter crap. There's another Beverly Potter who writes um, uh, weed books for seniors. <laughs> and it's like senior citizens. And you're, how do you say that? Can- cannabis? Is that how they say it? I never know. Cannabis. Yeah. Weed. <laughs> Weed. We're super mature on this podcast. This is what you get after an hour in. We, we start to get a little crazy. Anyway. So yeah, so there's, she has tons of books and she's been very prolific, especially since I started my pen name. So I'm not sure how they're fighting her. Honestly, I don't fighting, finding her. I don't have links anywhere that I'm aware of um, anymore. Anyway, I didn't really need to do anything to pull away since I hadn't ever marketed her or anything like that. I just stopped writing and publishing. It was the best breakup ever, guys. It was very emotional, emotionless, no kids to divvy up and neither of us cried. <laughs> um, the first time I stopped writing Andrea Kate Pearson, I did not handle it well. I just stopped emailing my readers pretty much cold Turkey. I had around a thousand, very, very active subscribers. I mean, they were enthusiastically active and it was really encouraging and discouraging at the same time because I couldn't, I couldn't focus on it anymore. I was more attached to my fantasy fans. Uh, I made a lot more money there since I had so many more books and I wasn't fully committed to writing romance yet. Plus I got pro- pregnant with what would end up being a, my hardest kid, not my hardest pregnancy, but my hardest kid. And, and that pregnancy, it was very difficult. And I felt so much guilt. I felt so much guilt uh, when I pulled the plug. Um, I'd been really involved in the Western romance author community, and I don't even know how to access that Facebook account anymore. Um, and because of the Alana K. Ashland turned to Andrea K. Pearson fiasco, fiasco, I had a bunch of different email addresses, including domains and generic Gmail. And for some reason, I didn't put a, down a backup email address. And I can't remember what my login credentials were for my Andrea Kate Pearson Facebook account that had all those connections with authors. Uh, this is very infor- unfortunate since I'm sure current readers have been trying to add her on Facebook. Ugh, it's really annoying. Anyway, I wasn't able to keep up anymore and I had to let things die off. Uh, there's been, there's also been a lot of guilt and emotions where my fantasy pen name is concerned. Uh, I'm a straightforward person. I told them exactly why I wasn't writing fantasy anymore. It was basically burned out, needed a break and my toddler's having problems. And then I also told them a little bit, just a little bit about how the Midnight Chronicles had performed since that, that was such a large part of my burnout. I didn't guilt them or anything like that because that's tacky and pointless, but I did want them to understand. And they were very, very understanding. I was really grateful for that. Uh, I still email them about twice a year. And I'd love to go back to fantasy again eventually, but not until life calms down more. So like in 30 years or something like that. Um, What I recommend is what I did between Beverly Potter and my fantasy readers, either cold turkey, if nothing is happening there anyway, or with a gentle letdown. I didn't cold turkey stop with my fantasy readers. I dropped to once a month, then once every two months and then twice a year. Um, But I mean, I was emailing every single week. So I guess dropping to once a month can feel cold Turkey, but um, at least they understand. And my Facebook group is still very, very active. Like people post in there multiple times a day. So, um, so there's that anyway. Well, I can recommend what not to do. It's funny that you guys were both like, I accidentally made my domain name auto renew. Whereas I was like, well, I don't know if I'm still going to be doing this in a year or two. So I did not make my domain name auto renew, forgot about it. The billing was going to like this Gmail address that I had created for her and never checked. So I lost the domain name with the newsletter sign up and the website and everything. And I was like, well, I, at that point I hadn't been publishing new books. So that's why it wasn't in my mind at all. But so I would actually recommend just do it hit that auto renew thing until you haven't been publishing for like a few years and you're really sure you don't need the domain name anymore. Um, but yeah, so I, I had kind of like the last year was doing some weird stuff. I think I was a little, I'm not sure I was burned out on it, but I was just like 
less interested in writing more sci-fi romance and more wanting to do I think that's about the time I launched my sci-fi just space opera series under my regular name so I had been less frequent on the releases and they were more random one-off books so I'm not sure the fans were surprised (laughs) when uh, when Ruby kind of disappeared but I do feel bad because the you know the website disappearing made it hard for them to even check like I would say normally you should put a note on your blog that says like hey you know I'm focusing on something else right now at least uh maybe I'll be back later kind of thing so um but I actually uh, I may go back and write some more of them one day like especially the the first series I did I really enjoyed that was the closest to I halfway into the pen name I started wanting to like oh there were other people doing better by doing these other types of books I was like how can I do something more like that and it was a little less in line with like what I really love to write so it happens to all of us we we see the super successful ones and are like maybe I should make mine more like that because that's what's selling Um, but so I might go back and do a couple more one day I've definitely had readers that you know, they know both names, so they know how to find me, <laughs> and ask for more. And uh, I might someday, especially if I do what I'm talking about and like put them, put both names together on the same cover so people can find them more easily. And then I can, it'll be a little easier to take a shot at marketing them and stuff. So, you know, I never say, I never want to like, I'm always reluctant to just completely cut the cord and <laughs> things forever. Although losing the website is kind of a big pain in the butt. Not that you can't recover from that, but you have to change all the links and you know, if you had your newsletter signed up, obviously you'd have to get a new domain name and uh, it's a pain. So check the auto renew box. It's my recommendation. <laughs> That's a great recommendation. Okay. So um, how would someone effectively juggle multiple pen names? And I'm going to go ahead and give my answer here because it does, I'm, I'm honestly not sure having never done it. And I'm really hoping my two brilliant co-hosts will have uh, equally brilliant answers. <laughs> so go guys. Um, so I would recommend automating and batching as much as you can in the marketing and social media department, scheduling posts uh, and such. If you decide to have a social media account for the pen name, like, yeah, it, you'd be surprised how much you can sort of get done uh, in terms of preparing releases uh, in an afternoon. You just take one day a week and, you know, batch up a bunch of, of, Twitter posts or Facebook posts or things like that, have them trickle out. Uh, and heck, if you're, if you're doing a rapid release, I would not be surprised if you could just pull together the entire launch cycle. Uh, if you're just going like all of the newsletters scheduled, all of that, I'm sure you could set the whole thing up to sort of run on its own. Unless you're really going to try to, to, to like act the part of the pen name on social media and stuff, uh, an impressive amount of it can be done ahead of time. Um, you probably don't want to do, you know, well, okay, we'll put it this way. You also want to pick your genres compatible with the length that you're going to be able to pull off. So you probably don't want to do two epic length genres if you have two pen names, because then you'll be putting out, you know, impossibly long books. It'll take longer to put them out. So do a short genre with one and a long genre with other, or better yet, do two short genres, and it will really help you manage the uh, the release cycle a, a lot easier. Yeah, I would um I would say that focus like when you first launch the pen name, you're probably going to want to focus and launch three or four books before you bounce back to the other name. And it's going to take you even if you write quickly, it's going to take you time to do those. So you might want to have like held off like your last name under your regular name, you know, like 
don't publish it as soon as it's ready. Like have it coming out on pre-order a couple months. So that kind of buys you time. You don't, I mean, ideally you don't want to have like the big long year gap, like while you were working on a new series for the pen name, your other name got nothing, especially if, I mean, if your goal is to keep them both going, which, which I was trying to do for a while and even being pretty, pretty prolific, I, I found that challenging. Uh, the tendency was like, let's focus on this one series and then, oh, we're not publishing anything over here under this other name. So that is uh, a challenging and I would also keep things minimal as far as social media, like maybe do it with one name and not the other. Or honestly, <laughs> I feel like we're getting a little pushback this day and age, like social media. I don't think it's going to be that much longer before people, there's going to be fewer people on there. Like for a while here, it's been like everybody, obviously you have a Facebook page and you know, probably you're on Twitter and maybe for younger readers, audiences, you're on TikTok. You know, I would not be surprised if, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like myself, I'm like, I, I'm starting to cut the cord on some of these that, uh, where I don't see a really positive, that don't actually sell books. Um, but just to keep things easier, you might not even want to set up social media for the new pen name. If it ends up becoming your main name and you let the other one go, then maybe that's a different story. But if you're trying to keep both things going, you know, just having a website with a newsletter sign up and really focusing on building the newsletter is going to be sort of the, the most, the thing, the one thing you can do that will probably, you know, help you the most. And we've talked about before, like have a free bonus extra that, you know, in romance, for example, often it's like the epilogue wedding or something to get people onto those lists and really focus on that. So those are really worth doing because those really tend to amount in a lot of sales. But yeah, I think uh, that's about all I've got for that one. (laughs) I think we're almost done (laughs) having been rambling an hour. No, we've got half an hour to go, right? I mean, I just added a whole bunch more questions, guys. <laughs> okay, so how do pen names, and this is our last point here, um, and it's not a whole lot because <laughs> you'll, you'll see our answers. Um, how do pen names affect Amazon sales versus sales on other retailers? And I can very quickly say I don't have enough success with my pen name to have a good insight to this one, so hopefully others do. Short and sweet. Um Okay, so I had a Dickens of a time with my Amazon algorithms for Andrea Kate Pearson the first time around. I shouldn't have told my fantasy readers about her when I did, if at all. It caused so many problems. Um, None of my pen names have ever been wide other than Andrea Pearson, so I don't have much else to add here. But Andrea Kate Pearson's algorithms, the day, like the day or the two days after the also bots went from sweet romance to straight urban fantasy. And I was like, ah, dang it. Cause I, and then my cells died. So I was like, Amazon's push on the back end ended. So yeah, that's what I have to add here. <laughs> so my pen name has almost always been KDP select exclusive to Amazon kind of for ease. And also I found that the sci-fi romances, when I launched them, I think I had, uh, cause I, I put book one out there cause I made it free. And then I think for a while I had book two out there too. And I just found that didn't gain the traction in, in that genre. I think at that time, the other, none of the other retailers had made that a category yet. And Amazon had actually recently added it. So you guys, you go in there today and you're like, Oh, there's sci-fi romance. There's tons of romance categories, but those of us who have been around for a while, remember there, there were like six categories under like fantasy. Now there's like 20. And I was like, so it's good. If you, especially if you see a new one pop up, if you can jump in there before people realize they can move their books over there or write new stuff to that category. Um, so that particular genre at that time, it just didn't seem worth the effort. But I, the one thing I will say is whether you're wired with Amazon and as I've talked about here is that once you start publishing books, 
<laughs> new books. Like if you decide not to, you abandon that pen, pen name, do not be surprised if sales drop off in a major way. Cause I've seen that myself the last few, probably the last three years, almost everything's gone to Amazon for exclusivity under my name. And I haven't yet, I have a couple series I'll be moving out soon, but I haven't yet. So there's only like one series that's gone wide in the last couple of years. And you know, I've definitely seen the income from, you know, the books that used to sell really well when I was obviously still putting out new installments. Uh, you know, they still bring in some money, but definitely it drops off over time. Like the longer, more time that passes, the less those books tend to sell if you're not actively promoting them and, and putting new installments in there and new books out there. So just something to keep in mind that even if you have a series that takes off today and does really well, with very rare exceptions, you know, books that become pop culture phenomenons or whatever, few books will just keep selling indefinitely once you stop <laughs> releasing new books. So just keep that in mind before you decide, yes, I'm going to start a new pen name and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going <laughs> to keep multiple pen names going at once. I, I feel like I've, my tone has been kind of a downer on this and it's just because I've I enjoyed it while I was doing it, but now I'm trying to simplify things. You, you may like, I would say, I don't know, Joe and Andrea, if it was just like this for you, maybe the first five, six years you were doing this, you were like super excited and wanted to try everything. We're like, whatever I have to do, you know, I'll do all the things, try all the things, see what works. I'm going to be in all the places and see how I can sell more books. And then after you kind of see what's worth it and what's not, or you're just been in it longer and is not as excited about new things coming, you start to look, want to like, take the Pareto principle, you know, and figure out what's, which things are actually bringing in the sales and then just ditch everything else. It's not doing it. I feel like that might be a natural progression for a lot of people. I don't know. What do you guys think? I definitely agree. Like, um, I, I, even with this pen name, I've been doing a lot of newsletter swaps and I did run a poll to my readers today and the majority of my current readers found me through newsletter swaps. And so I can't say that newsletter swaps don't work, but I want to, I really, I just want to taper off of them. Now that I've got Facebook ads working, I want to go move away from that and just put my attention to the stuff that I can kind of set it and forget it and not have to check every single day and not have to send out emails and, and organize things and schedule things. And then talk about the other books in my newsletter. I just want to make things as simple as possible. So yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Likewise, like in the beginning, I, even early on in the podcast, I would talk about how you should be everywhere you can be and do everything that, you know, be accessible through all the different ways. And then as time goes on and you sort of the ideas that had built up over a lifetime sort of taper off and now you're just generating new stuff and, and the stuff that you're generating is more complex and deeper. Yeah. I absolutely try to, to, to trim down on, on just the stuff that uh, I'm comfortable with and that I know works. So anybody listening, remember, we are old farts at this now. And if you're still excited about doing it, do it. I mean, I don't regret having done the, the Ruby stuff at all. I, you know, at that point in time, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge and proving to myself. I don't know if I proved it to anybody else or anybody even cared, you know, but I was like, yeah, you can still start today. Obviously, this is a few years ago now, uh, but I have a feeling the same thing is still true today. You just have to kind of carefully pick your underserved market with a hungry audience. Um, and that's all I have. You guys have anything else? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, if you're enthusiastic, I think enthusiasm is really, really great, but you still want to be enthusiastic in the right directions and in, in towards things that will work. And it's really hard to know what's going to work for you because what works for us might not work for you. But um, I still think there's, there's some wisdom to simplification, even if you are really excited, don't, don't put your 
your attention in so many places that you split yourself too far away from the actual writing, which is the most important part. Um, the end. <laughs> My brain's done. Okay, we don't I have none. So. Me too. Sorry, yes. <laughs> like nothing else. And I've got this question. Anything else? No, nope, we're done. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. And oh my gosh, I almost went back to the old thing. No thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing this show. <laughs> because he's not doing that anymore anyway come join our facebook group um joe has the best beard in case you haven't noticed and um you can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six and see y'all later bye 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 so long everybody